You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. We're continuing on our teaching on traps and tricks. Hopefully you're much more aware, much more alert to the fact that you have an enemy. And he's trying to trap you and he's trying to trick you. Amen. First Peter chapter five, verse eight from the message, uh, excuse me, the Amplified Bible. It says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like a lion roaring in fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and ruin their day. No, to devour. Y'all with me? He doesn't even want you to be happy. We know that because he keeps misdirecting you and telling you, if you get this, do this, meet them, go there, do this, whatever, you'll be happy. And those are all lies. How many of you ever lied to you? Just do this, get this, and you'll be happy. And you get there and whatever, and it's like, it's empty. Empty again. Come on. And so that's proof that the enemy doesn't even want you happy because he keeps pointing you away from the things that actually would make you happy to all these wrong things. And he does want to ruin your day. Don't kid yourself. He does. But ultimately, what he wants to do is seize upon you and neutralize you and devour you. And what we've got to be aware of is Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 2.11, uh, here's the gist of it. It's saying that he cannot take advantage of us unless we are ignorant of his devices. So the purpose of this series is to help us to be aware so that we are not ignorant, so that we are made aware so that we can make adjustments in our life so that we can avoid the traps, the tricks, the snares, the wiles, the devices, the schemes that the enemy would use to take you down and to take you out and to have you upset all along the way too. Amen. Today's going to be a good day for us. Now we do life with other people. Did you notice that? No man is an island to himself. You can't be the Lone Ranger. I thought Lone Ranger was a pretty cool guy myself. But you can't be the Lone Ranger. You, you can't just be isolated. A man who isolates himself, the Proverbs tells us, rages against all sound judgment. Um, you're not called to just be by yourself. However, one of the disciplines, very important discipline, is solitude. You do have to get away. You have to be by yourself. Jesus constantly was doing that in the middle of miracles and crisis and everything else. He still would pull away. And, and that discipline of solitude and silence before the Father. You've got to have that in your life. Um, but we're called to do life with other people. With other people. Did you notice that? Yeah. And sometimes they get in the way and sometimes they're a blessing. But first of all, let's just, let's just draw our attention to this. People. And we're going to talk about people today. You got some people around you. Be nice to them. Um, keep your eye on them, though. Okay. We do life. We work. We worship. We play with other people. You have interactions with people that you know and you don't know. You have all different levels of connection and relationship with the people around you. Just coming and going from here today, there's some people that you don't even greet. I wish you would. There's some people that you always greet. There's some people you can't wait to see. Some people you've never seen before. Some people we put on. Praise the Lord, you know. 
Come on, everybody give your neighbor your best fake smile. Go ahead and do it. Because I learned from a movie, What About Bob, that if you can fake it, you don't have it. Okay, so, so we want to make sure we're authentic, that we're genuine. Amen. Amen. But we do life with other people. And we worship. And we work. And we play together with other folks. And those interactions and those connections are very, very important. And they're very impacting. However, they must be monitored. You've got to monitor your connections, your interactions with other people. Very, very important thing. Because this is an area that has great potential for the enemy to use and set up traps and tricks in relationships and people around you in life. Amen. Amen. How many of you know that God uses people? Well, for the rest of you, God uses people. Okay. God uses people. It's one thing. To get an answer to prayer, it's another thing to be an answer to prayer. And God would use you to encourage somebody, to help somebody in in a million different ways. But just as God uses people, guess what? That enemy of yours, he uses people. Now, nobody in second service, but there were a few in first service, I'm probably, (laughs) that he has used before. And sometimes it will take your weaknesses and your frailties and your bents and different things. And the enemy can use those to... To mess up other people. And so we're going we're gonna to look at a number of things here this morning. In Proverbs 22, verse 24, uh, 24 and 25, it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a what? A snare. That's a trap. Set a snare for your soul. That's one thing to get. You remember this little... It's woven. It's like uh, Chinese finger handcuffs. Remember those? That's one thing. And I used to, I remember the first time that happened to me, I was afraid. Ah, you chew your way out. Um, that's minor. But to get your soul caught in a snare, do you know what your soul is? It's, it's where your will Your intellect, your emotions, and even your subconscious are. That's where you think and feel and decide and remember from. Your soul. Y'all here? And to get your soul caught in a trap that you could have avoided. Well, I say we pay attention so that we can make sure that we avoid this. Let's notice a number of things here. It says, make no friendship with an angry man. The word friendship, everybody, everybody say friendship. It means, among other things, to associate with, but also the word picture out of the Hebrew is this, to graze with, to graze, you know, kind of like cows. We're high tech around here, but today we're going to be a little bit old school, okay? And I could not find a flannel board. But we graze with other people. Everybody moo one time. Okay, that's enough because you're going to scare the children down the hall, okay? But we graze, we do life with other people. I know if you're a visitor here today, please come back. Okay. But we do life with, with other people. Morning, Mike. Morning, Matthew. You know, we, 
But we do life with other people and we graze. And I want you to get that concept in your mind that we're actually all in this big pasture together. Everybody. Not just you here, but everybody. How many of you know there's all kinds of critters in the pasture? Okay. And so we are grazing. Let's notice a couple of things here, though. It says, make no friendship or don't graze. With an angry man and with a furious man, do not go, lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. It talks about anger, and then anger is a wrong passion. It's not a sin to get angry, it's a sin to stay angry. That will lead you into sin. But it's a wrong passion. And really what this means here, make no friendship or don't graze with an angry man. It, it actually means this, that they're easily angered. Easily angered. That's something that you learn to be easily angered. And if something angers you and you don't deal with it properly, then you start to become easily angered. It becomes, notice it says, lest you learn their ways. It's habit. It's, it's the way they respond and react to things. Just get angry. Don't worry, you're going to be plenty angry at me before we finish here today. So. But you get angry. I saw on YouTube maybe a year or so ago, somebody had directed me to a little video. And it's a little boy, and he's probably about three years old. And he's got a little plastic golf club and a big old ball and stuff. And he takes and he swings, you know, like a little three-year-old would. And he hits the ball, and then he throws the club down, and he curses. And they're just laughing. <laughs> Do it again. Where did he get that? He learned it. And some of you react in anger just because that's the way you were raised. If something doesn't go right, doesn't feel right, let's get angry. And it's wrong. I told you, you're going to get mad at me, but we've got to learn to deal with that. And then it talks about with a furious man. And furious is also a wrong passion. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. This could include this passage here. Make no friendship. Don't graze. With an angry man, with a furious man, lest you learn their ways and set a snare for yourself. This could apply to any wrong passion, any wrong uh, process that causes reaction out of your life. But this specifically talked about anger. And so I want us this morning to look at anger for a few moments. Then we're going to move on to some other things. But how many of you know that anger could be a problem? Okay, good, good. Anger, like heat, has degrees to it. Now, I've written down a whole lot of words. Hopefully, they're still here. They're here. And I'll walk you through this here this morning. Anger, like heat, has degrees. First of all, we have indignation. That means something upsets you. And you start to simmer. And if you don't deal with that and you keep simmering, it, be, it turns into wrath. And when you have wrath, you know what starts to happen? It starts to burn. Allowed to go to the third degree here, fury, it becomes fiery. And then finally, if it goes on over into rage, it's blazing. This is destructive. Very destructive. And what we've got to look at is we've got to get out of this. And people get angry for a lot of reasons. 
We'll look at a few in a moment, but just think about it. I mean, there's so much anger on the airwaves right now. So much anger around the water cooler. So much anger. People filling up their... The other day I was filling up with gas and two guys were talking. I don't even think they knew each other, but they were just blah, blah, blah. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) I've got it worse. No, I've got it worse. You know, and it's just angry this and this and this. People are mad at President Bush. Mad at President Obama. Mad at your mama. <laughs> Mad about 9-11. Going to go burn the Quran. You're, you're, you're angry at your car. You're angry at your neighbor's dogs. Your neighbor's music. Angry at your neighbor. Maybe angry at your spouse. At your boss. Angry at yourself. There's this anger that's just everywhere, and it's, it has degrees here. And it's understandable that things would happen, and you can have... I think this is a level you've got to stop it at, and it better be righteous indignation. There's some things, look at me, there's some things that tick me off in a sense of righteous indignation. That is wrong, wrong, and wrong. But we got to find out what do we do about this. But there are a million different things. Here's some areas that will that produce this kind of anger. First of all, hurt. Hurt. We all need and we all deserve love. And to feel safe. And when somebody wounds your heart. And they wound you on the inside. They say something, they don't say something. They did something or they didn't do something. And it, and it wounds you. That's a source That you're hurt. And that can cause anger. Injustice. We've all kind of got a moral code. About what we think is right and wrong. And when we see that our rights got violated. Or we see on behalf of somebody else. Their rights are violated. That can make us angry. Then you've got fear. Fear can provoke anger in our life. Everybody wants to feel secure. And when your security and when your future feel threatened, then you sense fear and fear can evoke anger. And then frustration. All of us, everybody, we're after some sense of significance. That I did something, that I made a difference, that something worked. Look at it. You know, when we go clean up something, you know, like guys, we clean out the garage. We go and get our wife. Look. Take pictures, put it on Facebook. (laughs) But we don't do that when it's as it is. Come look at the mess. You don't. But there's something, a sense of accomplishment, a sense of significance. And when our efforts in life, our efforts at something fail, we're unsuccessful at something. That's frustration. But I want to suggest one other source of anger in our lives. And it's this. That it can be contagious. It can be contagious. We actually caught it from somebody else. We're actually carrying something because they somehow have convinced us of hurt, injustice, fear, frustration. Or we don't even know what it is, but it's a way that we learn. And again, going back to the verse, make no friendship. Don't graze with the mad cow. 
And with a furious man, do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare. Learn their ways. It's contagious. The message Bible says bad temper is contagious. Don't get infected. Now, to be furious with a furious man, do not go. That's third degree anger. And it's about to roll over into rage, fourth degree anger. And this is where it gets violent. This is where it gets destructive. This is where we hear of crimes of passion where people are temporarily insane because of the rage in their life. I pray you never get close to that. I've really been aware of this. I mean, more and more and more and more. I'll see something that happens or a life or a tragedy or whatever. And my mind and my heart go to how did they get there? What was the path? How do you connect to that? How did they get to that place? And folks, we've got to start paying attention to that in our own life so that we don't end up in some destructive places with our own life. Could I get an amen from anybody? Now, here is the anger answer. This is the ultimate anger answer. And forgive me, but it's going to be real simple, okay? But how many of you do, do better with simple? Okay, that's what I thought. Because you all come... To hear me. So <laughs> simple. The anger answer is this give it to God. Let, let's say that. Give it to God. But you don't know. Give it to God. He knows. Give it to God. Here's what helps me God keeps the books, Amen. He sees it all, He knows it all. You know, and sometimes we feel injustice or frustration. We go, how come, to, oh man, if it, in, God sees it all. I'm going to tell you one reason why you don't give it to God. You're afraid he's going to be merciful. You're afraid he's going to be kind to them. Ugh, I knew it. He's going to save them and bless them. Knew I should have taken care of it. How many of you, he's been good and merciful to you. For some reason, we don't want to let that go to other people. I'm, God, you got plenty to do. I'll take care of it. And we just keep turning up the heat and turning up the heat. Right? Right? And what we've got to do, we've got to give it to God. Everybody say, give it to God. And this is why. Because he keeps the books. He knows. Now, there is another aspect of this too. And it's this. You need to ask yourself, is there anything I can do to about this situation that I could change it? Is there anything I could do to change the situation? If there is, then do what you can do. Hear me? If there's not anything you can do about it, release it. The serenity prayer really says it well. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can. And the wisdom to know the difference. But the answer for our anger, folks, listen to me. Is give it to God. Well, what if they do it again? Or what if this happens again? Give it to God. What if they do it again tomorrow? Twice. Give it to God. Well, it seems like he's not doing anything. Was he patient with you? 
And I promise you, anything you lay at the feet of a Savior, He will save. That's what He does. And so when you bring it to Him, give it to Him. Give it to God. He knows. Give it to God. If there's anything that you can do, then do what you can do. If there's nothing you can do, release it. But I see people all the time, Christians too, just stewing about stuff. And not just simmering. It's burning. It's getting fiery. And on a political level or economic level or relational level or, or generational level or whatever. They're, they're just stewing and simmering and this is not healthy. And you, if that's you, are caught in a snare. Your soul has been snared. And so we've got to deal with this whole idea of anger. Now, it says, do not graze or make friendship with these or you will take on, you'll learn their ways and set a snare for your soul. And as I've said earlier, he doesn't just want to catch you. He wants to cook you and eat you and mount you on the wall. Your enemy. Proverbs 29 verse 22 says, an angry man stirs up strife. And a furious man abounds in transgression. And so if you learn their ways, you will end up involved in strife and transgression. And we know what strife is. And also transgression actually has to do with to trespass. And it speaks of rebellion. In James 1 verse 19 and 20. In the New Living it says, understand this my dear brothers and sisters. You must be all quick to listen. Slow to speak. And slow what? And slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 26 and 27 in today's English version. It says, if you become angry. How many of you have ever become angry? Okay, here's the deal. It's not sin to get angry. But if you stay angry, you are headed towards sin. Plus the damage that you do to your soul and the people around you cannot stay angry. Let's read, finish reading the verse. If you become angry, do not let your anger lead you into sin and do not stay angry all day. Don't give the devil a chance. Do you see what's happening? That when you embrace anger, when you allow it to stay in your life, you're giving place, you're giving opening, you're giving opportunity for the devil in your life. So. If you're dealing with anger in yourself, deal with it. Give it to God. Everybody here? Y'all are taking notes like. I'm sure it's for somebody else. I have this angry friend. Mad cow. The real issue though. The real issue that's being raised by this, of course, anger and wrong emotion and so forth, wrong passion. But the real issue has to do with who you graze with and how close you graze to them. Okay? So if this is you, this one looks just like you, but if this is you, the real issue is who... We're all in the pasture. Listen, believer, unbeliever, goofballs. Do you know there's some people so goofy out there, they don't even need the devil to 
I mean, they're already wound up. But there's all, there's everybody out there and you can't escape. You can't climb over the fence. There's not going to be, you know, the gate left open. You can't cause a stampede. We're all in there. We're all in the pasture. So the real question comes down to who do you graze with? And how close do you graze to them? And this brings us back to this, which is part of the answer for every one of the traps and tricks and snares already. And it's this word, proximity. Everybody say proximity. Which has to do with nearness and distance. And we've got to watch out for proximity for this reason. Influence. Everyone say influence. Influence. I'm trying to influence you right now. I'm trying to influence you for God. I'm trying to influence you out of his word. I'm trying to influence you. And what does that mean? That means to affect your beliefs, your opinions, your actions, your behaviors, your priorities. I'm trying to influence that. Without apology, I'm trying to influence you today. I really am. In the light of God's word. Not for my own purposes, not for anything else. I have an assignment. I have a call. I have a duty today to try to influence you concerning some things that God put in my heart that I believe are for us right now. And there's all kinds of things that influence us. There's some people that won't be influenced by today's message because of... Which means what? And and then go. Or they never watched it online or whatever. So proximity has, you have a greater chance of being influenced because of, because of proximity, because you're here, because you're near. Now let's take it beyond that though. And it has to do with the people around you have influence on you. Somebody will just in passing say, man, I love that song or purple's my favorite color. And you know what? You'll start humming the song. And later you'll say to somebody, I like the purple one. There's subtle ways that we get influenced on some things that really don't matter at all. And then there's plenty of things that just because we hear somebody, well, I don't like that either. And we don't know anything about it. But we got influenced in some way. And priorities of life and our actions and our behaviors and our opinions and our beliefs, we get influenced... By who we graze with and how close we are to them when we're, when we're grazing. Are y'all here? The question is, who is influencing who? Who is influencing who? And so let's say that this is you again. And this is somebody else. If you're influencing them for good and for God and in good things. And you're saying, you know, man, you need to be good to your wife. And you... And you need to go on that men's advance. And you're influencing them for good thing and encouraging them. If you are having the influence, then stay close. If they're influencing you for good, stay close. If they start influencing you for bad, sinners entice you, do not consent. Now don't be rude. Be kind, be respectful. But if they're influencing you in a wrong way, you need to move. Okay? 
Let's close in prayer. <laughs> now I have, we've got a little bit more to do. So who is influencing who? And then also the issue of chemistry. What is the chemistry? One of my best friends, elementary school, junior high, high school, finally about high school, we were getting in so much trouble together that our parents got together and decided that Tim and Jim were not to be in proximity. Now, I was with other people. We didn't get in trouble. He was with other people. They didn't get in trouble. We got together. (laughs) Chemistry. And if that's the case, you need to move. Yeah, good. Thank you. That's three O's if you're taking notes. Okay. All right, good. Here's the bottom line. You must constantly monitor, constantly monitor and adjust what I call the influence margin. You've got to constantly look at this. And they might be saying to you, eat more chicken, you know, or, or what, whatever. <laughs> but if they're, say, if they're saying something good, you've got to watch it. And if they're, you know, leaning toward other ways, still with kindness, with respect, because we still need to be salt and light. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. But we're not to isolate ourselves. And just you and two other believer cows. We're going to move to the mountains and grow our own food. And we don't talk to any of these heathen. That's not in the Bible. Okay? All you need to do is just kind of slide over a little bit. And still be respectful. I'm going to give these away after service. So if, so if, you, if you want them. Now, let me move on real quick as we finish up. Proverbs thirteen twenty says this. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion, same word, graze, those who graze with. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. In the Message Bible, become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Solomon was the wisest man. He took to himself 700 wives. Even if half of them were sweet. Even if all of them were gorgeous. He took 700 wives and he was warned against this, but he brought in wives that worshipped pagans, pagan gods. They were pagan wives. And he ended up, because of it, they said, it will influence your heart. It will change your heart. But he brought them close to himself. Not only did he have 700 wives, think about this. He had 700 mother-in-laws. That's another series. But he brought them near to him. He married them. And the Bible says that he turned their influence. It turned his heart. And he too began to cry out to and worship pagan gods instead of the one true God that he knew. It's separation, but not isolation. It's in, but not of. You've got to keep grazing. But we've got to be kind and respectful. We must still be salt and light. But the issues of proximity and influence means that we've constantly got to monitor and adjust. Constantly monitor and adjust. I pray this just gets in you and you'll be aware of it this afternoon. You'll be aware of it at work. Doesn't mean you're rude to people. Don't talk to me. I'm holy. No, you're confused. You still have to graze with them. But you've constantly got to monitor and adjust. 
who you're grazing with and how close you graze to them. Again, it's an issue of proximity. And caution. Severely limit the influence of those with bad fruit in their life for questionable character. And here's the sneaker right here. As we're guarding against influence. Media, books, songs, lyrics, movies. Do you know I'm being mentored right now by some of the greatest men of God in this country. And I haven't even met them. Because I read after them. Some of them I hope to meet one day and say thank you for your influence in my life. My daughter and I were riding yesterday past somewhere and I don't want to get off on all of this. But we saw some young ladies. And uh, it was just so obvious. They were trying to be the Kardashians or something. And that influenced to them. And I thought, okay, maybe fashion, but not the modesty. Maybe hip and now, but where's the substance? And, and, and I pray for, you need to pray for Hollywood. Because they're excited if this is their only their eighth wedding. You know, and yay, I'm out of jail again, but look at me party. And it's just so empty. And the, and the devil's playing such sad, sad tricks on people to say, live like this, look like this, do this. But they're so, it's that whole trick, do this and you'll be happy. And they're so hollow. And I don't say that to judge anybody, but we, we can use that as a warning in our own life. And even the influence that would come from them in our own lives. Constantly monitor and adjust. Guess what? And I hate to tell you this in church. There's some shows you don't need to be watching. I'll tell this side. There's some shows, there's some songs, there's some things you just don't need to expose yourself to. You need to just slide over and graze over here. There's plenty of good area, good land to graze in. Jesus is the true vine. And if he's the true vine, that means... That there are false vines. And so what we get attached to. If we get attached to a false vine. You're also going to end up entangled. In something. In 1 Corinthians 15.33. Pastor John you can come. In the Amplified Bible it says. Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships. Communion associations corrupt and depraved. Good manners and morals and characters. In today's English version it says. Don't be fooled. Bad companions ruin good character. We've constantly got to monitor and adjust that influence issue here. And see, when he was talking about bad company, bad companions corrupt good character. Do you know what the context is? Bad doctrine and wrong teaching. And so it's the influence of others in so many ways that can set a snare for our soul. All of this, as I finish this morning, all of this points to the incredible importance Of being in the family of God and the body of Christ. People deeply connected to one another, caring for one another. When you weep, I weep. When you rejoice, I rejoice. If I can help you, I want to help you. It's where we pray for one another. It's where we love one another. It's where we care for one another. It's where we encourage one another. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place of encouragement. It's a place of safety in the family of God and the body of Christ. And let the church be the church. Truly that this is a safe place that other people grazing in other places. And I'm not talking about in other churches. I'm just talking about all of us in the pasture. But those that are outside of the family of God and those that are outside of the body of Christ. May we so love one another and protect one another and encourage one another. They say, I want to, can I graze with you guys? 
Can I come on over here? It should be something that people are jealous. Not because we're religious and dogmatic and judgmental and self-righteous. But because we're respectful, we're centered. We know what we believe and we know why we believe it. We have our refusal parameters in place. We have principles that we live by. But I will love you. We will love one another. We will encourage people outside of the body of Christ. You've got to show them love. And most of all, we've got to love one another. And as we graze with one another, let's be a good influence on one another. Let's encourage one another. If you've got anger in you, guess what? It's contagious to other people. Give it to God. I said, give it to God. Release it out of your life. Let me close with this verse. So much more to say on this. Psalm 119, verse 63. David said, I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. Who do you graze with? Who do you get closest to? Those of like precious faith. We've got to be careful. Proximity, influence, constantly monitor and adjust that influence margin because it is so, so important so that you don't step into a snare for your very own soul. Amen. I'm going to finish right there. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? All right.